0: In the ballpark, season 2020, here we go! Yeah! May the second footy carnival begin!
1: Ah! Ah! I've real enough for you.
2: Oh <laughs> yes,
0: we are back in the thick of the September Footy Carnival Action. Plenty has happened since you last joined us. There has been a Sydney stack of footy news <laughs> to get through. So make sure you've purchased your roller coaster tickets. You have a pie in one hand. Fairy floss in the other, rear view mirrors just in case there's a creepy clown, (laughs) or Ben Brown behind you. Welcome to this week's episode of In The Ball Park, introducing the umpire who has went above and beyond to set up cameras at every single AFL stadium, theme park, beauty spa, and late-night kebab station, just in case trouble inevitably brews. It's Ryan, shredded meat and melted cheese on his friesies, Hartwick. Frizzy welcome to you, mate.
1: Thank you very much. Welcome, boys, for another week. I don't even know where to start there, but you continue to outdo yourself. Look, we have to have such cameras in place. You just can't afford to take any chances. I can tell you, boys, they are better quality cameras than those that we see for the goal line technology as well. And we don't even need that little Harbour caravan thing that they've got set up for it either.
0: The footage that you got from the kebab station, Fryzy, didn't need to be taken through the arc too many times to determine what exactly was happening in the background. So very well done to you, Fryzy.
1: Ah uh, thank you yeah pretty clear cut you're quite right no more reviews required
0: there just a couple of sorry richmond boys unfortunately did he get a hsp with extra hot sauce or did he go with the stock standard doner kebab no i think it might have been
1: a full snack pack i think you know you wait a bit longer but it's worth the wait but i'm sure given uh, what took place afterwards it
0: probably ended up all over the ground oh those bits of onion and tomato and garlic sauce on the ground oh isn't it a good look and doesn't it take you back to the good old King Street days. All right, let's introduce (laughs) the man who knows how many Adelaide Crow supporters have talked up their top four chances in 2021 after recording their first win of the season and how many of those supporters, when asked, could actually locate where the top four was on the AFL ladder. He's also the man who knows how many people want the Melbourne Football Club to relocate and change their home ground to Gazali Stadium. It's Maxi huffed and puffed and blew Melbourne season down. Tonner, Maxi, welcome to you, mate.
3: You're on fire with your introductions again, sir. But I think the answer to all three of those questions are not
1: many.
0: <laughs> Good to be back. It is a pleasure to have you back, Maxi. Now, gentlemen, before we get to our first segment, we have some very... Tragic news. We have lost a favourite of the show recently. Although he's not gone from the world, he is to football. He's a team man, a running machine, a man who stayed in the shower for too long and came out with a different hair colour. A man who was a positive influence on his teammates. Was that too soon? Uh, uh, We had to sneak that in. It's only a few months ago. A man... Who marveled us with his unique kicking choices? A man who needed a translator whenever he was interviewed on live television.
2: Trade ever often kicks, we change inside of the boot, outside the boot, we on try freedom afraid kick rest and stuff.
0: And a man who will be, to be sure, to be surely missed <laughs> on this show. We often highlight our love for the Irish players in this great game. But gentlemen, I ask you this: could have in the ballpark, done more to keep Connor McKenna in the AFL. Serves, Maxi, I can only
1: think perhaps. I mean, we are well known as massive, massive fans of the young man. It's, I think we're the biggest losers out of this. Never mind Essendon or the league or anything like that. In the ballpark is going to feel the effects of this. There's really no winners perhaps apart from one of the teams that make up the Gaelic football code, unfortunately. Maxie, you must be
0: quite sad about Cunner jumping out of the shower and back to Ireland.
3: Very sad news, mate, from an Eston perspective. sort of had a feeling that something was probably coming all of this year. I think there were even some rumblings last year that he was sort of a little bit homesick, but... There are probably three or four incidents this year where you thought, "Geez, I don't, I don't know how much longer this bloke's got here," which is really sad because he hasn't really been here for that long. When you think about it, maybe what five or six years, and almost one of the most damaging halfbacks, and yet you just think about. In the last few years Him and Saad Just running off Of half back And how damaging That was for us So yeah We're going to be sorely missing on In the ballpark And all Essendon supporters Are going to be missing him Unfortunately
0: Very short Lived career indeed We are going to miss you Connor All of us here At In the ballpark Thank you for your services In the AFL game Gents Do we have a particular Highlight from our Great great man
3: It's got to be One of his solos But also I think He hit a really good goal Against Gold Coast he Took like 4 or 5 bounces And he kicked a goal But yeah You just think of him Just streaming through the middle of the ground and just nobody knowing what he's going to do. He'd always just make stuff up as he went. There are a fair few times where you... He'd do those little loopy passes out kicking out a fullback and you just think, oh no, what's he doing here? But it's pretty sad. You'd have to say that he's definitely the best Irish player to play for Eston, wouldn't you?
1: I would say so, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling to think of anybody to beat that. Year. Michael Quinn. I think Michael Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn. Don't
0: forget
1: Quinny either, can we boys?
0: Hey, his finals record was an interesting one, wasn't it, Maxie? Do you remember that game against that at Amy Stadium?
1: <laughs> it was like most of Eston's recent-ish finals appearances. It was look away now sort of stuff. I remember Michael... The ball was like a meter away on the ground and he clean missed it. We are no chance after that happening. In such a short career, there's many notable highlights of Connor. Some of those goals over the last few years, you, you genuinely wonder how they got there, but they did. I'll never quite forget the moment in either his first or second game right at the beginning. It was a pre-season game still, I think, and he picked up the ball and he's charging through the centre. He's probably run about 50, 60 metres without bouncing the ball. And, of course, once the free kick is paid, poor old Conor's turned around and looked in disbelief as if to say, what have I done wrong? <laughs> I think his knowledge of the rule of AFL quickly improved. That's for sure.
0: Thank God they did, Frizy. One of my favorite Connor McKenna moments was, I think it was a game at Eddie Had Stadium at the time and he kicked this thing Dane re- Rampe, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Dane Rampey on the line. The ball bounces up and went over Dane Rampey's head. Oh, it was an absolute mongrel off the boot, Maxie. And from outside 50, scrubs this ball Through the goals and actually put us right back in touch in that game. And we went on to win that game. And I think Connor's magic certainly helped. The luck of the Irish was well and truly on show that night. And I don't think Dane Rampey's glove from Michael Jackson would have helped him either. (laughs) Some of those goals leave you just genuinely baffled. Connor, we will miss you here on In the Ballpark. And we hope we can check in with you once you're back in Ireland. Gents... Let's get to the Round 18 fixture because it has finally been announced where those games are going to be played. The main headline is each club has been given a minimum five-day break coming out of round 17 and the finals contenders have been looked after a little bit more being given a six day break coming into that round. So some of the notable games here, Thursday, September the 17th, North Melbourne will host West Coast at Metricom stadium. This early scheduling of this game will allow for the possibility of the Eagles to return to Perth soon after to prepare for an Optus stadium final. If, They earn that right. On Friday, September the 18th, St Kilda up against the GWS Giants at the Gabba. Now, this is quite a big game, gents, because both of those clubs may be vying for a particular spot in the final eight. So that game may be very, very crucial indeed. And underneath the lights at the Gabba. And on September the 19th, Essendon will play Melbourne at Metricom Stadium. That postponed game. Actually, Judah Connor, how about that? And ironically, he won't be playing in that game. Adelaide versus Richmond at the Adelaide Oval. Brisbane will play Carlton at the Gabba. And then on Sunday, Hawthorne play Gold Coast at the Adelaide Oval. Sydney play Geelong at Metricom Stadium. Fremantle, They're up at Kazaley Stadium again, hosting the Western Bulldogs at night. And then on Monday, September the 21st, Collingwood play Port Adelaide at the Gabba. And that game will be an absolute beauty. At first glance, what do we think of the round 18 fixture? There's some good time slots there for some of those big teams That'll be no doubt playing final. That's
3: right, man. Big finish to the round. I reckon the Dockers versus the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs will probably be fighting for that eighth position. And then the following night, Collingwood, if the dogs win that night against Freo, Collingwood the next night perhaps might be fighting for the, the last position. So the last round of the home and the last game of the home and away season could be dependent on whether or not Collingwood will finish in the eighth. So it'll be a massive finish to that game if the dogs win. And then it'll be all up to Collingwood to knock over the Power who are sitting top of the ladder. So it'll be a massive finish to that round.
0: And I think it's also a massive advantage for Collingwood, the fact that they don't have to travel to the Adelaide Oval... Potentially mm-hmm. in front of a very hostile crowd as well. So that's probably slightly benefiting Collingwood there, having that game scheduled at the Gabba.
3: I Port Adelaide have had an okay record at the Gabba. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. A few other good games that I like, especially that, as you mentioned, that St Kilda versus Giants one, that'll be a massive one. And it'll probably shape
1: who plays who round one of the finals as well. It's always nice, gents, isn't it, when there's games in that final round that end up shaping the final outcomes. That's all we can hope for. got to say, boys, did we ever think we'd see... Uh... A Monday night, bringing the end to a home and away season. How about that?
0: (laughs) Extraordinary times. Lots to look forward to in the final round. And as you gents mentioned, that final game, Port Adelaide and Collingwood. Well, there'll be a lot of eager eyes on that game. Let's get to one of our favourite segments on the show. It is my Footy Memory. Footy Memory. Alrighty, gents. Long hair and man buns have been the popular grooming choice at all levels of football for quite some time. And Maxi, I'm noticing that you are growing out your hair quite a bit. You must be a fan of the man bun.
3: Uh, Not of the man bun, but um, yeah. (laughs) I actually wanted to get a haircut a few weeks ago, but then they shut down the barber, so it's it's not
0: good at the moment. (laughs) Interesting, we don't see any players put on the old Dali hairnet. Oh... (laughs) And if you play, you rock that one. It'd be a brave man to rock
1: that one. You'd be very brave. You never know. It might. It might become a trend. I suppose we, we can't rule it out. Can we?
0: No so hair in your coleslaw. I tell you what, it's a good incentive. <laughs> During games, in the heat of the contest, you'd see an errant tackle disturb the hair of a player, and of course, the number one instinct isn't to go for the ball, but to go for the bun. Jane Bun, Hot Cross Buns, Lockie Weller and the Gold Coast Buns. Kicking bun in snags because of a bunch of free kicks. Long hair is truly a bun-dent. And no matter where you look, there's buns in our game. <laughs> well done, mate. Well you. done. <laughs> Keep oh, it coming. Super. Keep it coming. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and he writes his own material too, I should add.
0: Such a reality was realised when we were playing against Ivanhoe. Oh, yes, that's right. The Ivanhoes. Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe. Oh, my God. All right. When we arrived to play them, we noticed before the game, instead of our opposition doing their stretches, doing the pre-game run-throughs, tackling practice, and the captain giving some stern words of advice, they were all fixing each other's hair, spraying around hairspray and singing Grease Lightning. Were we playing footy or were we the opening axe for Wicked? (laughs) We could not believe this, but as soon as the ball hit the deck, these players were hard at it, tackling ferociously and giving us plenty of lip on the way through. There was a certain arrogance to them fixing their hair at stoppages but once the ball was in motion, they were kicking miraculous Bananananas! Ban-na-na-na. Oh, yes. Broadway was in town. The cameras were rolling, and they were putting on an award-winning production. At the intermission, the crowd gave them a standing ovation, and we had no choice but to collect our thoughts and huddle up together. We were nearly out of answers but then we realized the only way we could disrupt their fanfare was the hair oh yes when the second half began we decided let's not go for the footy let's not tackle the player let's break the one rule from the news team street fights that would have had ron burgundy fuming and as usual no touching of the hair and face! Oh We started making desperate lunges at their hair ties, pulling apart their once neat and tidy strains of hair. We grabbed them by the Jane Buns, and their hair bands went snap! Like a nine-month-old elastic band, the production had encountered its first technical error. The prop on stage had fallen over And how were these infamous actors going to improvise? As we collected the footy, goal after goal after goal, the Ivan Golden Hose became the Ivan Broke Hose.
1: (laughs) Oh, Serbs, your school football career is just littered with incredible stories that you would not find anywhere else.
0: And gentlemen, that's how our footy team bet the man bun quartet from Ivanhoe. And that is my week's footy memory. Bye, bye, bye. Footy memory. It's,
1: it's nice beating anyone back in the school footy times, but to beat the Ivanhoe side, even better. Oh, sir, so you've done it again. I'm not sure if it tops the sheep in the goal square story, but still, it was about as good as it gets. I'm sort of like thinking back on this, and I remember playing Ivanhoe when I think it was year eleven, back around
3: that 2014 time. Long Longhair was in, and we were playing Ivanhoe. And I remember a lot of them had the buns going. And I'll give a special shout out, our man Josh Maloney. I know he's listening. He had a bun at the time, and he was he was taking a set shot in the last quarter. We were playing Ivanhoe at Ivanhoe, and this pretty tough-looking bloke who's also got a bun at the time, just goes to Josh as he's taking like this pretty clutch set-shot goal, just goes, you've got girl hair, and he's just coming from a bloke who's got a bun himself, and literally all the players are just crying and laughing, <laughs> and then Josh Maloney ends up, he kicked the goal and gave him the old shh, and everyone was just laughing at that time. So <laughs> I think you're bang on, mate. I think this is one of your more believable stories, considering that <laughs> I do remember that a lot of the Ivanhoe blokes did like the buns back in
1: the day. Uh, Yeah, witnesses, you can either contact either (laughs) of us individually via Facebook or just message the In The Ballpark uh, social media pages. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's get on to the considerable winners and mammoth losers (laughs) for round 15 and 16. Let's have a look at a team who has been up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down because they seem to shift from the considerable winner to the mammoth loser, back to the other, every single week we are on the show. And Maxi, you are going to highlight your frustration, but equally your praise of the Western Bulldogs.
3: Oh, what a rollercoaster of year! They were my big winner in round 13 against Melbourne, then they were my big loser in round 14 versus strong. And now they're my big winner in round 16 against the West Coast Eagles. It just must be a crazy year for the Western Bulldogs supporters. But I sort of went with them because I really struggled this week to pick a winner. I was thinking of going maybe Adelaide. but Are they really a considerable winner for betting Hawthorne? And then maybe Sydney against Melbourne. But then again, Melbourne are on and off all the time, just like the Bulldogs as well. So main reason I went with the Bulldogs is now they're ninth on the ladder. So they're eight and seven. And with games to come against Hawthorne and Fremont, you'd think they're probably going to get to 10 wins. That Fremantle game, though, I've liked Fremantle all year, even though they're sitting 3rd on the ladder. Probably a danger game, but you probably have to give them favouritism in those two games. So the main reason I picked them for their win against West Coast was they had to win one of those two games of West Coast and Geelong. Um, I know West Coast had a lot of outs with Nat Nui, Yo, Shui, amongst others, Hearn, I think. Yeah, they got the win. <laughs> it's just been a hugely frustrating year for the Bulldogs. By no means have they answered any of those question marks that I have mentioned on them with their forward line and their ruck over the last few weeks. But they got the win. They're probably going to play finals.
0: Let's highlight the skipper, Marcus Bontempelli, for a moment because he had a pretty magical game. And when it went down the other end and the West Coast Eagles managed to get a goal and then had an opportunity when Tim English gave away a very costly free kick to Jack Darling... We thought, oh no, it's going to happen again. The doggies are going to lose a close one. But Marcus Bontempalli's very, very clutch goal at the other end, Maxi. He described it post-game as sneaking it in by a bee's dick.
3: Oh, it was interesting Did you see those Two different shots Of one end It showed that It had just By a bee's dig across the goal line And the other angle Where it showed McGovern's back You couldn't tell 100% sure Whether McGovern's hand Was on the ball But from what it looked like It was just behind Or level
0: with the post So it was interesting What did you think of it Did you think it was over I personally thought It was just over But watching it yeah. live It was very Very difficult to tell It looked like He got a fair bit Of the ball Frizi You are the Officiating umpire here And You've been the man that has been installing cameras everywhere. Gosh, it would have been handy to have at least one more angle.
1: Boys, I'm glad you brought it up. Limited number of angles and the subpar quality of footage. The basics aren't there and it's almost impossible to tell live, even for the umpire right on the spot. You reckon we could at least get the footage right, for goodness sake.
0: And surely with the Amazon Prime teams doing documentaries on selective clubs, they could get one of their very, very nice cameras Right next to the goalpost during the game, surely.
1: <laughs> Something like that. Anything along those lines, boys, would probably help
0: us. But I also think you're probably being far too logical for those decision makers. Sir. Maybe we need the grey area in our competition just to keep things interesting. And Maxi, let's speak about another man, Tim English. We highlighted him at the very, very start of the considerable winners. He had a bit of a scary moment where he gave away a pretty costly free kick to Jack Darling. Thankfully for him, Jack Darling didn't convert and he took a very, very nice mark in the dying stages of the game. Maxi, are we starting to see a lot more potential from Tim English or does Luke Beveridge still have his doubts whether he can compete in the ruck for four quarters?
3: I think Tim English is pretty symbolic of where the Bulldogs are at. He seems to Within games himself, he has good moments, he has bad moments. So it's sort of a little bit of a roller coaster, just like the Bulldog season. I think he's going to eventually get there. It's sort of been documented a fair bit that he was more of a midfielder growing up and then he had a pretty big growth spurt. So I'm not sure how naturally playing ruck actually comes to him. The way he moves around the ground, I think eventually he's going to be a very good player. He probably needs someone who can play maybe 40 or even 50% in the ruck so he can sort of go periods where he doesn't have to, and he's sort of protected a little bit. I don't sort of think that Josh Bruce is that guy. I don't think Josh Dunkley suits him either. But um, as I mentioned, if they could get someone who's another forward, a second ruck, maybe that'll help him. But I think within probably two or three years, he'll, he'll be a pretty handy ruckman. And it's just getting games into him at the moment, I'm pretty sure he'll get there. I'm a little bit surprised they haven't played Jackson Trankov a little bit more, because I sort of view him as someone who's a pretty like solid defender. I'd probably have him, I know he's older and maybe the dogs are sort of thinking win idiot games into someone like a gardener. But I'm surprised considering that they are contesting for finals that they haven't gone with Trengo a little bit more. Considering I think that he could play 50%, 60% down back and cover where the dogs are probably struggling a little bit with um, some key forwards from oppositions and also cover English a little bit in the ruck as
0: well. So I'm a bit surprised they haven't played him as much. And I'm also very surprised someone like a Josh Shackey hasn't been given more of a look, possibly as a backup ruckman, someone who can just get their confidence up. I really do question... Whether he's really valued in that Western Bulldogs lineup.
3: Yeah, he's fallen a bit from number two draft pick to not even getting a look in at the Bulldogs. So you sort of question whether he'll be there next year. And if he's not, will another team take a punt on him? They'll probably get him pretty cheaply. He's not looking like he's in favour with Luke Beveridge at the moment.
0: Now, Frisie, a team finally in front of a big crowd on the big stage. And when I say big crowd, I mean all <laughs> relative to 2020. At the Gabba, the grand final location, the Brisbane Lions did deliver. They did have a very, very costly injury throughout the game, but Frizy, you gotta be happy with where the Brisbane Lions are at at the moment. And that was a very, very considerable win. On the weekend, it was,
1: boys. Eight point win in the end over a Collingwood side that fought pretty hard all the way through as well. Look, there's that added advantage of knowing the Gabba, playing the Gabba regularly, but it's hard to beat Brisbane's know how at that venue. So, look, when we get to the very pointy end of the season, that could be a factor. I'm not sure how significant, but we will certainly see four in a row for the Brisbane Lions as well, guys. So they're safely entrenched in that top four as it is. I don't think anyone was doubting that. They did it as well with a couple of injuries on their part. So young Harris Andrews down with a hamstring, Tom Fullerton with a quad injury. Both less than ideal to sort of say the least, but they managed to pull through and still win this one. I suppose another reason why this was such a crucial win to, to put away. Gee, aren't they blessed to just have the young midfielders like Jared Berry and Hugh Cluggage that are already bordering on the elite. And just a reflection, I think, last few seasons of the the rapid rise of this club. It's more and more astounding, I think, as it progresses.
0: You're absolutely right, Fraser. The fact that we're talking about the Brisbane Lions being a top four team, such... A massive recovery from that club and a lot of credit's got to be given to their list managers and Chris Fagan and the club culture as well. It certainly is very, very strong there at the Brisbane Lions. Frizi, Brisbane were again, characteristically of late, missing a lot, a lot of goals. And then eventually they started nailing their set shot. So I think they're starting to fix that part of their game and it's looking more and more convincing Every week Yeah I think so Even sometimes this year that They've done that When they've won games They've
1: missed a lot of chances And been a little bit wasteful Despite having the general dominance So look That's something that they would hate To to hinder them Coming into the season I think for memory It was a factor in their First finals loss Last year To Richmond I seem to recall A lot of missed opportunities In that game as well Particularly early That really Crawled their chances But you're right There's a lot of people Within those four walls Probably starting with the coach That deserves so much credit For the last three or four seasons What they've been able to transfer
0: it's quite amazing and possibly an opportunity to play a grand final on their home deck. Not too many opportunities like this come every year. So it's going to be a massive couple of months for the Lions. Now, I've got to ask, there was a very, very big injury with Harris Andrews as you touched on there, Frizy. Gentlemen, how are they going to go about covering that massive loss?
3: It's a huge loss. Taylor so the stays as it is now. They'll potentially play Geelong. So you'd think he'd probably be playing on Tommy Hawkins as the informed forward in the competition. That's a huge loss for them. I'm not sure they can replace him. Especially he seems to sort of be be the captain of that defence. But um, I think they've got another, up from memory to Payne, is another key defender that they might bring in. So they're not going to be able to replace how good of a player that Harris Andrews is, because he's probably the best young key defender, especially in the competition. So, huge loss. And at the earliest, he might be back pre final now. It's a massive loss for the Lions.
0: The Mammoth losers! <laughs> wow. This team... We were talking about only three or four weeks ago about making finals again, recapturing their 2018 form with their incredible midfield unit and, well, a player who would probably be second in the Brownlow medal. They had every part of the ground operating well, but over the last two weeks, they have fallen from grace. They've played two terrible games over at Kazaley Stadium seems to be a cursed ground for this particular side. And Maxi, the Melbourne Demons, all of their troubles are starting to come out of hell.
3: Yeah, I had to go with Melbourne. They lost to both Sydney and Fremantle. So they lost to 13th and 15th when they probably had the best opportunity to make the finals out of the team's contending. So... They basically threw away two golden opportunities to guarantee themselves a final spot. It's just the most Melbourne thing Melbourne could do. They're now 10th on the ladder. They're seven and eight and to come they've got GWS and Essendon so it's a tricky little run and you'd think they pretty much can't make so they basically threw away their season against 13th in Sydney and Fremantle. Uh, the main thing I see them struggling with is their forward line at the moment kicks 6 goals and 4 goals in the past 2 games. I know there was a bit of weather last night but still 4 goals in a game against 13th on the ladder. It sort of shows you a bit where they're at. I know Tom McDonald wasn't playing Wiedemann seems to be struggling. I sort of question whether or not he can hold a forward line down by himself. He's had 9 touches in two games I still think he'll be a good player but I don't think he's up to it at the moment in this coming trade period I wonder whether they'll be one of the sides that throws the hat in the ring and goes after somebody maybe even if they try and get Jesse Hogan back to get that forward line moving again back to their 2018 form but this last two games is just the most Melbourne thing Melbourne could do and I sort of want to open up this to you sir. how hard is it for a team like Melbourne but also you look at Vesson and Carlton with teams who have had very little final success to turn around like a losing culture over multiple decades, to turn themselves into a team with a winning culture like a Geelong or even a Hawthorne over the last however many years. How hard is that for a team like Melbourne or even Essendon who are going through that struggle at the moment?
0: Well, I can tell you one thing, Maxie. It's certainly very, very frustrating for the fans. And after the game, they didn't get any more answers. Simon Goodwin said, we need to be a ruthless side. And I think Gary Lyon pricked up after that and said, well, tell us why we're not. There's a lot of frustration from outside the club. And look, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration from inside the club. Why aren't we a ruthless side? Why aren't we consistent? Yeah, I just look at those leaders. I think the leadership's a very, very important thing. But I think they made a really good decision. Melbourne getting someone like Jordan Lewis in, who had all this finals experience. And it probably showed in 2018 because he had been there. He had won the big finals. He had won the big premiership moments. And he was a very, very big contributor in that Hawthorne side. And you can probably see it as well with Brisbane, their rise. You know, they have Grant Birchall now. They had Luke Hodge. I feel like maybe some of these clubs need to look at players who have been there, who have been successful, might be in the twilight of their career, but can still offer those areas of leadership. Do you think they need to kind of start looking and and identifying players similar to a Jordan Lewis who can help them culturally and help them with that experience in the future?
3: When you look back at the three sides, overall, Essendon, Carlton and Melbourne. When you look at the older blokes in all three of those teams, none of them have had any real success. When you think of Esther, you think of Heppel, Hurley, Hooker, those blokes haven't had success. When you think of Carlton, Simpson, Murphy, Cruiser, however many other blokes, they haven't had success. And Melbourne, they they've won a few finals, but other than that, they haven't really had any success. So how do those blokes who haven't had any success pass pass that down on what it takes to be a ruthless club to the to the younger blokes coming through? It's an interesting
1: discussion and you sort of think, how are this clubs going to get out of it? I just would, if
0: I if I was a fan at the moment, a Dees fan, I'd probably feel like sort of just running on the spot a little bit. Well, it is fair to say, gentlemen, that Melbourne's hard butter has defrosted. And again, they are soft as butter. Very, very disappointing for all those demon fateful out there who were expecting a lot, lot more. Let's get to the other mammoth loser... Maxi, you touched on before about inconsistent sides and sides, which are expected to do more with the talent that they have on the list. But again, season after season fail to deliver. Frizy, Carlton have been that side. They had a big opportunity on the weekend to beat GWS to keep their very small. Finals hopes are alive, and they did not deliver. They had their chances. They were 15 points up at three quarter time. They couldn't seal the deal. Friese, very, very disappointing end to Carlton's season.
1: Yeah, so you. you. You're quite right, 15 points in front, you also start off with four goals to one in the first quarter. I think any side wants to sort of try and sew up a game when they're they're in that position. There's a lot to like and a lot to look forward to for 2021 and beyond. I think we know that regardless. They have sort of relinquished the upper hand a few times in games this season, so that'll frustrate and be a sore spot come the end of season review, but just shows the fine margins of it all. I mean, winning this one, which they certainly had the opportunities to, the Blues, that would have just kept that little pulse alive for finals footy, but not now. Fans of their club probably give the season a definite pass mark, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Friesy. They've won some very big and maybe at the time surprising games against opposition such as Geelong, the Western Bulldogs. They've had really good patches this season, but as you're about to touch on, Frizy, some of the quarters where they go missing and they concede some pretty big goals against well, they've really hurt them, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. I
1: think, um, and it's it's probably particularly frustrating because they have shown in, in some games this year, you know, that's something that is probably a product of a young side as well. At least we know with most of these youngsters, they are a huge part of the Blues' future. I know we've sort of set it for a season or two, but they really are building, I think. From next year onwards, we should start to see that shooting up the ladder. Commence can't guarantee it, but if I was a Blues fan, yeah, I'd be licking my lips at the prospect of the next couple of seasons.
0: And just quickly, a honourable mention as far as Mammoth losers are concerned. Essendon had another very, very poor performance. We've spoken about them ad nauseum on the show and the disappointing end to the season. So for all those beautiful Essendon supporters out there, we are not going to break your hearts again and talk about them, but a very, very disappointing result on the weekend. And Adelaide upset GWS at home, and the Giants now are going to really, really struggle to make the finals. They've got... A couple of top eight contenders coming up. So, gents, do you think the GWS Giants now, having lost to the bottom table side Adelaide, do you think the Giants will be making finals this year?
1: Despite their attractive, unbelievable football they can play at times, they certainly haven't made it easy for themselves, have they? It'll be challenging. They've got Melbourne and St Kilda. So given their form, you'd say
3: they're both 50-50 games. So the Giants would probably have to win both of those games and hope that Collingwood doesn't win they've just made it very hard for themselves losing to Adelaide but good on Adelaide there's two in a row one of the form sides of the goal
0: absolutely they are watch out whoever's playing Adelaide Richmond watch out in round 18 you've got them at home that's a very very big danger game indeed so look out Tigers
3: imagine if the Crows
0: cost Richmond their top four spot in the final round that'd be a massive (laughs) result season 2020 is that unpredictable (laughs) We had our very own Cairns correspondent and Triple M radio host, Liam O'Grady, give us a bit of a ground report from Kazaley Stadium after his Dockers triumphed over the Dismal Demons. Here's our man, Liam.
2: Hey, fellas. Great show. Love to listen in. Um, so I was at the gate. I almost didn't get in because, you know, we, we're living here in 2020. So I had my tickets on my phone thinking, you know, simple scanner, they'll tell me what gate to go to. Oh, that took me a good half an hour I had to go to, like three different ticket booths and all that you know they've got to keep it all covered safe that's all understandable but Cairns are just like where i live up in Townsville. they're living in the 1950s i was like what future technology is that and the first quarter i must say was piss poor uh, the kicking was atrocious walter's kicking the goal and pulling the jumper was a good sign but let's face it i don't think anyone thought he was gonna head off anywhere i think that was just all medium mumbo jumbo second quarter that's a clear supporter they're watching the game, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to stuff it up now. They're going to stuff it up now. They're going to stuff it up now. But it's just playing for a nice win. Melbourne's playing for final. You think they're going to come out harder. 17 points up. I wish I could be confident in my team, but, you know, years of my team letting me down, I've realised maybe not being confident is a good idea. Chez with the boo-na-na. Na-na-na! We'll see on the boundary. We couldn't really work it out. And then when we realised it was Chairs. We're like, oh yeah. When you think of a you know goal of the year kicker, Adam Chair's is the first one to come to mind. Back to chair and he oh! has kicked one of the goals of the season. That's off the scale. The last five minutes, and you know, the ball was down in Melbourne's 450. The rain helped. The rain started absolutely belting down the entire game and as a fan again like i'm just having flashbacks of um jack noon's goal that's going to be PTSD. i'm going to wake up in 10 years time after having a nightmare of jack noon's goal with well, a better team all day you know great win Melbourne's out now their season's done sneaky call though i think goodwin's going to get the chop and Russ the boss is going to coach Melbourne. But, you know if we a the team people had for the wooden spoon and you know i wouldn't say we'll play finals with a fully fit list but boy we have some talent and hopefully it will bind into Justin Lumbeau's plan, and I'm looking forward to 2021. All, Leo, Leo,
0: Leo, Leo. all right, gents, one of our favourite segments of the show. It's Bring It Back, Give It the Sack, Have a Crack.
1: My and my
0: all right, this week on Bring It Back, we are talking about subliminal messages in our game. Now, the first one I noticed, gentlemen, was Joe Danaher was sitting on the fence against the West Coast Eagles, waiting for Anthony mcdonald Tip and Woody to kick a set shot. Now, I believe this message might translate to he doesn't know where to play next year. He is literally on sitting the fence. on
1: the fence. <laughs> <laughs> it was too appropriate.
0: All right. The other subliminal message I noticed this week, gentlemen, was Essendon. Laughing at half time. And what I think that equates to is they know they're the laughing stock of the AFL. Now
1: you've got that one right, man. Two from yeah, two. I think so. <laughs> I think so. For a fan base that's probably more impatient than it's ever been, uh, no matter what, when you're nine or ten goals behind, it's not a good look, is it? I think, remember when we had Brendan Goddard. Do you reckon that would have happened if Brendan Goddard was in the circle at halftime? can't imagine BJ would have put up with that for a
0: second. I think if there were any pretzels at half time, they would have absolutely been dismantled. <laughs> now, the other subliminal message I saw, gentlemen, was Sydney Stack. Fighting than eating a kebab translated to he's sending a very, very strong message to King Street that he would make a good bouncer at cloud nine. <laughs> yeah.
1: So sort of intertwine with another segment of ours, perhaps he should have a crack at a career move post football. Not at the moment. I'd be very surprised if there was much action on King Street at, uh, at the present moment.
0: Now, the other subliminal message I noticed, gentlemen, was from a different sport. It was Novak Djokovic, world number one in the tennis, hitting the lines person at the US Open. And I think that equated to he was saying that running a tournament during a pandemic and getting coronavirus really hurts your throat.
1: <laughs> Directly, you his aim was that good. It was clean. I don't think any impressive amount of reaction time could have avoided that. I don't want to be too harsh, but I sort of thought she went down pretty easy. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> I thought she yeah, flopped that way. Yeah, yeah it definitely. Yeah, the, uh, the impact and the reaction certainly didn't help the Joker's. Cause No no, no. Uh, I've got to defend American it was a Pretty harsh to get Kicked out of the Tournament for that
0: I will say though That Joker does Play on the edge As far as He usually uses The fact that He's not a number One crowd favourite Probably up against Rafa and Federer's okay. of the world But he kind of Plays on aggression And plays on the Crowd actually Sort of feeding him And be the visual Ante but I suppose The problem with that Is with an empty Stadium you're kind Of trying to Create your own Aggression and Hitting someone With a tennis ball Certainly isn't a Way to do it Did no. you think it Was on purpose <laughs> I don't think so. It was an errant shot, but he was obviously trying to create some aggression that just wasn't there. He's had a
3: pretty poor year over But Did you see Nick Kyrgios' Twitter
0: pop? <laughs> that <laughs> was <laughs> absolutely perfect timing, <timeout> Kyrios. <laughs> Kyrgios, he said to his fans, would have I been given five years, 10 years or 20 years for that kind of aggression? I think he would have been given 50.
1: <laughs> I reckon you're
0: up. With no minimum uh, parole period either, gents. That's a very, very good call from you there, Fryzy. And finally... Channel 9 Sunday footy show host Tony Jones sent quite the message to his viewers recently. Just have a little listen to this. Carol, we're going to take a break. Eddie, I'm probably only here for a week or so. Do you reckon at any point we can talk about our two weeks together in Puerto Rico back in the late (laughs) 80s?
2: Oh, Tony, we both happen to be there <laughs> representing media organisations when Melbourne was bidding for the Olympics. I reckon I ran you crossed my path once or twice. So don't yeah. exaggerate. It's three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, still to
0: climb on the footy. No, you'll see my lawyers. In the <laughs> still to come on footy. Classified. The Tigers, they are in trouble <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. I know how they feel. Well, well, Jeds. Puerto Rico in the late 80s at three in the morning. Jeepers, is this where Chomper's bad habits began?
3: He gets himself into some horrible scenarios, does our man TJ. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he was insinuating there between him, himself and Caro, but oh, as I said, he, he gets himself in some horrible situations. He certainly does.
1: You could probably rattle off half a dozen little instances there where he's... Uh... Finished up, a little bit red-faced on TJ, whether it was planned or not. Yeah, sometimes just, as you said, gets caught
0: on the wrong side of things. You can only imagine, boys. You can only imagine. Now, gents, to our second bring-it-back item for this week, we are going to be talking about celebrating the one presenters because we don't see this enough in footy. Now, the Saints, on the weekend, were in all sorts at quarter time when Hunter Clark gave away a free kick to put straight shooter Luke Bruce just 25 metres out from goal on the quarter-time siren. However, with his tall physique on the mark and his chest out, Patty Ryder stopped a certain goal. Every opportunity counts, and he celebrated like they do in the NFL, gents. Me, personally, I like the look of it. And should it happen more in our game, celebrating those important percenters, gentlemen? Definitely, but it's sort of hard with
3: all the, all the one percenters within our game to stop and applaud <laughs> because it's usually moving within the game like a little shepherd or something like that but um, I want to ask what's your favourite 1% and mine's the full wingspan shepherd at the moment
1: I've always been just a, a huge smother fan I think because sometimes uh, of the courage it requires I think they're little things that uh, don't always find their way onto a stat sheet but they can certainly help you get selected next week
0: Absolutely and Maxie, it's a good question you ask probably one of my favourite one percent centres at the moment, especially with the way Richmond play on the field, is when the ball is about to get to you and you're in a very, very hot situation, most likely about to get tackled. You spot a player in the corner of your eye and you just tap it off, almost like a beach volleyball-style tap, and you get it to your other player who may be running on the outside. I do like those taps to advantage. Yeah,
3: they're really good at that, Richmond. Also, I remember the Bulldogs in their 2016 when they won the grand final. They were probably one of the best teams I've ever seen do it. It always seems to be the teams at the top of the table. They always seem to be good at really one percenters.
0: They all add up, mate. They all add up, mate. 1-1-1-1, One 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 one. you get to 100%, and That's that it. is the way you win. Big footy matches in our competition. Give it the sack! North Melbourne versus Port Adelaide at Metricom Stadium on Saturday night. It was 17th position, North Melbourne, up against top of the table, Port Adelaide. Considering we have double headers on weeknights, how the hell, on a Saturday, on a weekend where footy is one of the big draw factors to our television or radio sets. Do we have one game on a Saturday and it's at night and it's barely a spectacle this is baffling. <laughs> watching North Melbourne play against Port Adelaide it
3: sort of reminded me of a few years ago when Carton had a run of like four or five or six Friday night games but you've got to give them a bit of slack it's a bit of a whirlwind putting the fixture together this season but yeah it was no good watching North Melbourne versus top of the ladder Port Adelaide on a Saturday night I barely watched any of it.
1: No I'd have to agree there it didn't get my attention look I really appreciate the uh, uniqueness and uncertainty of the circumstance so I don't envy the decision makers but I'm glad this is brought up only because I just got to wonder what sort of misshaped universe gents we're in we're, when we've got one single game on a Saturday and yet here we are with a Tuesday night double header my goodness me a oh,
0: oh, we? and you would think with the quality of a lot of the teams and a lot of the matchups that we have currently in the competition edging towards finals that they could take one of those double header matchups on a weekday And slot it so you have back-to-back-to-back matches on a Saturday. Thankfully, the AFL have fixed it up for this round. But no more singular games on a Saturday. That is poor, poor, poor. Let's get to have a crack. Because Port Adelaide got to sing its club theme song for the 12th time this season. And Saturday night's rendition arguably had the most gusto and rhythm. Several players looked towards the corner and started laughing as Captain Tommy Jonas picked up an esky that had a Tom Tom drum on top and they placed it in front of Hamish Hartlett. And after a cheeky drum roll, Hartlett began belting out the team song on the drum set in a move that would have made Phil Collins make Payton and dare (laughs) I say it, Dale Doback, very, very proud. (laughs) Oh, gents, didn't we love this? Ken Hinkley revealed after the game that development coach and Collingwood 2010 Premiership player Tyson, the sack, gold sack. It was his idea to bring the drum set in in a move that adds a bit more excitement to the the after-the-match song. Gents, do we like this move? Do we endorse bringing instruments into the post-match song?
3: Absolutely, I loved it I was sort of hoping now that Port would maybe win the flag Imagine Hamish Hartlett on the drums after winning a flag you would be awesome I couldn't help but think, mate Our man Stevie Milne back in the day With a set of drums How good would that have been?
0: A little tip right on the drums Oh my <laughs> gosh, mate they would have Maybe with ten. some Ruckers or something
1: <laughs> If
0: only This is this is just 10 years too late, boys Should have they got Stevie Milne in a little Hawaiian dress And a little ukulele That would have been something Saints may as well just bring him back <laughs> Horror him, just delete the song when they win. Well, they've lost Jack Stephen now, and with Jade Gresham out, they need a leader in the St Kilda song. You're absolutely right, Maxie. Bring back the tip rat. Bring the back Manny. On. on this topic, let's talk about some of the other clubs that could incorporate this. Now, gents, do we remember back in the day, the St Kilda Football Club, they entered a film making competition and they were singing. A little bit of a poppy version of the St. Kilda theme song. Do we remember this? Yo, dream miracles to be in a, a saint. Just walking
2: on water in all Fishes the Shake, say, shake your when the go
3: That's the worst bit of AFL content I've seen since Brett Kirk's Saturday afternoon introduction, I reckon. And there's a
1: shout <laughs> That speaks absolute volumes because that 30 seconds of Brett Kirk is the most bizarre
0: thing most footy
1: fans (laughs) have ever seen.
0: You could just tell how unnatural it was. It was just a train wreck.
1: Anyhow, so boys, as we uh, continue here engaging with our hearts and our minds.
0: We're going to engage with our minds and our hearts. What do we think? I think maybe the Saints should just bring back Stevie Tipwrap and maybe leave the Fifth Harmony stuff. Well, to Fifth Harmony, I think. (laughs) I tell you what, though, what about the big, big sound? The Giants could bring out the trumpet. Yeah, I reckon the trumpet for the chair West one's a good call. And, Frizzy, what about the jungle drums for the Richmond Football Club? It's probably better than touching someone.
1: <laughs> most most definitely, yeah. Uh, uh, I think uh, they could do no wrong there. This, this whole concept, yeah, definitely gets my tick. It's harmless, it's fun, and it's uh, something a little bit different, I think.
0: And it may save the cleaners a bit of time with no Gatorade showers, that is for sure, because as we know... Musical equipment is a little bit expensive from our recorder days at high school. Do you remember when you used to give us the old wipes where you didn't bring your recorder that day and you had to use
1: the second hand recorders? That was a disaster. One of the disgusting looking ones from the box.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have a crack at the musical instruments. We endorse it here on In the Ballpark. Ah. Let's get to our final segment of the show. It is the games we're most excited about for round 17. And, Maxi, you've identified possibly the game of the season.
3: How can you look past Geelong versus Richmond, second versus fourth? Geelong probably the uniform team of the competition at the moment. And Richmond, as good as they're going, they're probably not playing to their full potential. So you sort of think they're probably the sleeping giant of the competition. But um, you sort of wonder, Will Richmond, now that they know they're playing probably the best team in the comp and trying to lock in that top four spot, will they sort of just click back into gear and go back to their best form.
0: But Friday night at Metricon is the game I'm most looking forward to easily. Talk about bringing it back. I reckon for all games from now on at Metricom Stadium, with the lack of crowd sounds at the ground, they should bring back the crowd noises, gents. The artificial crowd noises need to be brought back for the Metricom games because I can hear the crickets
3: chirping. Yeah, they've been pretty quiet the last few games at Metricon. I reckon you're onto something there, mate. One of the games,
1: there might have been like 2,000 there the other night. So, and I reckon those numbers are generous. So that was counting players,
0: umpires and coaches, I think, surely. Yeah, total attendance. Yeah. And probably the outside traffic as well. Frizi, your most excited about game that you've identified is a very, very important one when we speak about the makeup of the top eight what game have you identified as your most excited about game? It sure is,
1: guys. Only one game at the moment separates these two, and that's the Saints and the Eagles. That's Thursday night at the Gabba. I think form pretty strong for both, although West Coast will be really hurting given that narrow loss to the Dogs. You might say both have had sort of close encounters against other top eight sides throughout the season, so there's hope for mine that this will be a close one too, hence Definitely looking forward to it. But the West Coast Eagles, a win would do it for them. You might even suggest there's some chance we could be looking at a week one of finals little preview here too.
0: Both have been in and out of form and certainly the St Kilda Football Club will welcome the big in, which is Max King. They have looked a little bit desolate up in the forward line and that's going to be a very, very welcome change for them. And the game I'm most excited about is one that Maxi has hyped up all year, but he didn't get his wish. It is of course for the Q Clash, Brisbane up against the Gold Coast Suns. And this is a danger game for the Brisbane Lions. Gold Coast Suns are definitely capable of causing an upset. And as we know with the very, very strong and proud Q Clash culture, there's certainly a lot in this clash indeed. Maxi. it's on a Wednesday night. Are you disappointed with this result? Yeah, I'm pretty flat. I reckon this game should have been
3: 10 games ago, to be honest. They should have realised that, geez, the Gold Coast are up and about. We should get this game up and going as soon as possible. So I'm still interested. But yeah, I would have loved for this to be maybe around four or five or like the first game after that first fixture block that they released on a Friday night. So that could have
1: hyped up. It probably would have been the most viewed Q clash of all time. Yeah, I think Brisbane will get the job done in this one. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. It would have been a much tougher pick had it have been those 10 or so weeks ago, Max. As we said, just missed a a once-in-a-generation opportunity to showcase itself. Who knows if we'll see the like of it again anytime soon.
0: Absolutely. If the Lions are serious about their top four, top two credentials, they'll be winning this game and winning... Quite convincingly. Well, as Richie Benno would have said, maybe the Q clash, Q... In 2022 on a Friday night Fingers crossed <laughs> That can come to fruition, gentlemen
3: The cue has to be early in the uh, On a Friday night When the Gold Coast are up and about But um, just quickly We didn't um, go through our tips On the Geelong versus Richmond one Who are we tipping there? I've got
0: Geelong Yeah, I'm going to tip Richmond Just on their form Especially against the Cats They've got a good record Against them of late And I'm tipping Richmond
1: in this one so I'm going for the Cats just I know that we've talked about Their struggles in the last few seconds once they do hit the finals and who knows what this year's final series will look like for them. I just think they look like the most complete and dominant side across the park at the moment. Only slightly though. And we know Richmond have had their measure, so not tipping it with any confidence at all. Yeah, I reckon if this was a finals game, I'd be tipping Richmond, but just based on current home and away form, I'm
3: tipping Geelong.
0: Very good call on those tips there, gentlemen, and a brilliant preview for what is set to be a very, very exciting round 17 fixture. Well, gentlemen, again, it has been an absolute privilege to have you both on this episode of In The Ballpark. No stress. Thanks, sir. Ah, boys, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again. Enjoy the games to follow. It's going to be a very, very exciting round wherever you are. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you again for listening to In The Ballpark. Please be sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and make sure you like our Facebook page as well. See you next time on In the Ballpark. You should come round for a barbie. Come on, what do we look like, rookies? (laughs) Okay.